everyone, and welcome to Sugar Pills, your practical guide to self-care. I'm your host, Candy Washington, and I can't wait to help you lead a more joyful life. So let's get started on this week's episode. Welcome back to Sugar Pills, a practical guide to self-care. So before we dive into today's episode, which will be a very enlightening conversation with Lisa Marie Rankin, don't forget to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Be sure to share this with a couple of friends and tag me over on Instagram at Candy Washington of your aha moments, and I will be sure to show you a little bit of love and repost you. Don't forget to check out the show notes for all of your free self-care resources, a new project that I'm doing called Life with Candy, and of course, pick up some fun self-care products on my Basic Girl's Guide to Self-Care. So with that, let's dive in into today's episode. So welcome Lisa Marie Rankin. She is a writer, yoga teacher, and wellness coach. She makes wisdom from ancient traditions accessible so women can improve their health, relationships, career, and more. Through her work, she teaches women to reconnect with their bodies, prioritize pleasure, and rely on their inner wisdom so they can feel like a goddess. Rankin is also the author of The Goddess Solution, a practical spiritual guide that teaches women how to apply ancient wisdom to modern-day malaise. She also teaches a six-week online program, also called The Goddess Solution, that teaches women how to feel healthy, radiant, and inspired through myth and ancient and modern practices. So welcome, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Candy. Yeah. And before we dive in, I know that you specialize in a particular type of wellness coaching, but I don't want to slaughter the name. So do you want to tell us um, what the name of that is and just what that is all about first? Yes. And I had that same trouble when I was first introduced to it. So I totally <laughs> Yes. It's Ayurveda. And Ayurveda, Ayurveda. is... Yes, and it's an ancient Indian health system, and it really looks to optimize health holistically through body, mind, and spirit. So I think often when we think of health, we think of what are we eating, are we exercising, but this is really much more like all-inclusive approach where it's looking at your physical health, but also emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. Perfect. I love it. Thank you so much for that. I just wanted to to honor the name and, and what it meant, so I didn't want to slaughter it. <laughs> yeah. So give us a little bit about your background, your story, and how you um, got into this. How did you awaken your own inner goddess? And now you're helping all of the rest of us, you know, awaken to the divine within. Sure. Well, I've always been interested in yoga and spirituality. So just from a young age, I've always been interested, but I hadn't really pursued it as a career. I've actually been in corporate America for the most of my life. I was doing user experience or website design. And, you know, finally around 40 years old, I had just gone through divorce and I just really had suffered a doomed love affair. And I just remember feeling really blah. And like, I was looking for all of these things outside of myself, whether it was, you know, getting validation from men, really focused on my appearance or going out with girlfriends, drinking. I was looking for all of these things to make me feel better about myself. And I remember just one day, like looking at myself and thinking like, you know, I really don't feel like a goddess. And then, you know, that kind of, and it was funny that I said those words, because until then I hadn't spent much time thinking about what it meant to feel like a goddess. But then that really started me on a path of starting to research different goddesses and trying to figure out like, well, what does a goddess feel like? 
And as I started to do this research, I started to see that there's so much like ancient wisdom from goddesses that are thousands of years old across culture, across tradition that really apply to our modern day problems, like whether it's dating and relationships, money, sex, parenting, you know, finding meaning in life. And it was kind of like such an aha moment. Like we have this roadmap, we have these archetypes that we can take a look at to give us a framework to be able to make make sense of the situations in our life and also just provide us with some direction. So I started to write a blog about goddesses and then I left my job to really focus on writing. And I just started to go deeper in this practice. I, a editor from HarperCollins had found my blog and was like, this is great, you know, you should write a book. So I wrote a book, I went deeper into my yoga practice. I became an Ayurvedic wellness coach and it's really just kind of taken a life of its own over the last couple of years. Definitely. And, and what is your definition of a goddess? Because we all have our own ideas of what that is. Like sometimes it's like very mythical, you know, sometimes it's really like that sexual prowess or, you know, sometimes it's just really standing in your own power. And there's, you know, different goddesses, whether it's like from Latin or Greek or, you know, ancient mythology. So how do you define goddess? Sure. So in my in my book, I use goddess. There's 38 goddesses from across cultures, across traditions. So there's Hindu goddesses, Greek goddesses, African goddesses, all sorts of goddesses across traditions. And generally what I say about the goddesses, we can look at them as like a deity outside of ourselves, somebody that we would want to petition for help. But we can also look at them as an archetype. So they're like an energetic of like this collective unconscious that we can call upon when we need it. So for example, like if we wanted to invoke more passion or beauty in our life, we can consider Aphrodite and consider how Aphrodite might live and try to invoke her energy. You know, maybe it's like buying ourselves flowers, doing something creative, you know, making time with our lover. So it's getting an understanding of these archetypes and these different energetics and then understanding how we can call them into our lives. So when I talk about the goddess and when I write about it, it's usually referring to a specific goddess and then the energetics that we can call into our lives. But when I talk about a woman kind of invoking her inner goddess, what I mean by that is really coming back to yourself. So not looking outside for validation, but really looking internally, prioritizing yourself, pursuing pleasure, and really understanding the things that light you up. And like honoring your emotions too, like the anger, the jealousy, and all of those things that we feel that we've been, you know, taught to suppress or hide. So really just becoming the most authentic version of you. Absolutely. So the ancient goddesses are more of exactly like you're saying, like the archetypes, you can go for a different thing, whether it's like, this is the goddess of, you know, career, harvest, love, sexuality, health, you know, whatever it is, but to be a modern day goddess is really just means you're embodying that you are the author of your own story. And so that's really what the connective tissue is between all of the goddesses you know, they each have their own niche or they're each, or they each have their own theme, but what connects them all is that they are powerful, you know, we can say like divine, you know, female um, representations that all own their own story and own their own voice. And that's kind of what you wanted to do. And you're like, oh, well, I don't feel like a goddess because you kind of felt like you weren't owning your own story. Because when I talk, when I hear you talk, what came up for me was, um, you know, are we listening to like the goddess, you know, stories or the more of like the Disney fairy tale, you know, and, and cause you know, there's always like the princess fairy tale, the princess archetypes. 
And what I love about your book and, and about what you're doing is you're really talking about the goddess as being the empowered version of the women. Whereas sometimes when we have like fairy tales, it's kind of more representation of the disempowered woman. Like she's waiting for someone to save her, but the goddess saves herself. So exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I, I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like the power of, of like, of like storytelling. Like what story are you telling yourself? Are you the princess victim story or are you the empowered badass goddess who <laughs> is waiting for someone to give her permission to be happy? She's going out there and creating her own lane, her own happiness. Exactly. Because goddesses yeah. are strong. And even the love goddesses, you know, if you look at like Aphrodite or Freya, you know, I mean, they were tough too. You didn't want to get on their bad side. And what I really love about the goddesses is that they were already whole. They didn't need, you know, someone else to make them whole. They didn't, you know, they they had their own internal integrity. Absolutely. And, and also what I love about, um, you know, goddesses and their stories is that they are they're whole, but they're also complex. You know, they're, they're yes. complex people with different wants and different objectives and their own needs and, you know, their own goals. And they're complex and they're complicated. You know, I think a lot in storytelling, we have men who have very complicated stories or like male figures, you know, it's like, oh, we, it's like the, the father complex and they want to get the girl and they want to get the gold and they want to do all this, like, you know, like their journey and they have all these like complex emotions. And then the woman in the story, she's kind of like, oh, come and hit me too. You know, it's like, I'm an object. You want to come and pillage our village? Take the women and gold. You know, so, yeah, look here, pretty. You work out your issues and then we'll live happily ever after. Yes. Exactly. Like I'm, the, I'm like some little thing for you to come and take. Um, what I love about God, and if you think about princess stories, you know, now, you know, we have more complex characters, but, you know, historically, the princess story is just, hi, I'm a girl, and then my only objective is for a man to come and marry me. <laughs> like, that's like, I will sacrifice everything to come and save me. But, yes. with, but with the goddess, they, they're these complex people, you know, they have, you know, turmoil, and they have conflict, and they, and yeah, they want love, but they want love on, like, their own terms, and some of them don't even want love. Um, some of them want power you know, right. like how beautiful is that? Like I know when I was growing up, I took Latin, I know kind of telling on myself a little bit of a dork, but <laughs> not a dork, but like, you know, like a, a nerd, which is great because I, I, I love being a nerd, but I took That's Latin for four years and my, and like each year we, well, like the freshman year you go in and you get assigned a, a goddess. And so for mine, um, I was Athena, goddess of wisdom. And yeah. Her objective was not come and save me. Her objective was, I am so intelligent. I want power. I want influence. And I think when you allow women to have objectives that's not come and save me, then you give us, yes, we're talking about these deities, but that's when you give us the beauty of our own humanity, which is really saying I am a complex being with different wants and needs. So I love yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, 
Good. Yeah. And I know it's interesting that like when you brought up the princesses, like, I mean, it was only up until recently that those stories started to Very evolve, they were a little complex, you know, I mean, as I was a kid, it was still all of the traditional Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast where there weren't very complex. And I know, and it's now that I feel like, yes, the goddesses give us another frame of reference, another way of looking at things that yes, our only objective doesn't have to be like just getting the man to love us and to take care of us. But, you know, there's wisdom, there's creativity, there's spirituality, there's so many other directions as well and that we're already whole I think is the important yeah. part I think as a culture there's so many things that it tells women that they should want like you know you need to look a certain way or you know if you don't have kids why don't you have kids if you do have kids then do you stay home and do you have work there's all of these different all of these different like I guess expectations placed on us by others we really would just be looking inward and kind of understanding well what is it that I want what do I want to pursue what do I desire mm-hmm yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I love that you're using the goddesses as a way for us to really reflect on our own self and reflect on and creating more self-awareness of like, what is it that I truly want? And, you know, when you were talking about the princesses, like that was like brought up, that was totally what came up for me. And also, if you think about it with like the fairy tales, the women who had their own agency, and their own objectives were always villainized. It was always the wicked stepmother. It was always a witch. It was always an evil, maniacal person. Like, how dare you want power? How dare you want to like pave your own way? Um, so I think allowing these goddesses and these like deities and to have their stories be honored and have them be like the heroines and not the villains really you know speaks volumes and it goes to that you can be your own hero of your own story and like having your own agency doesn't vilify you but if you think about it like not to bring in like the patriarchy but like let's just do it that's a really good way to keep women in line if you are taught that if you have your own agency if you have your own voice if you have your own objectives then you're bad but if you but if you but if your own objective is to make a man happy then you're good then you get to be the pretty princess that is a really good way to keep women in check <laughs> if you think about it <laughs> You know, I mean, I, like I said, I've spent a lot of time in corporate culture and there is even kind of that um, attitude, like, you know, the, the ex woman executive, you know, that was kind of very much a straight shooter and tough, you know, she would awfully be called like a shrew or kind of, you know, she's really hard or, you know, just all these negative terms where a man would be like, oh, well, he's tough, but you know, he gets things done, you know, and he's a boss, he's a boss. <laughs> He's respected, he re he's revered, you know, he's all of those things. Like, oh, you know, you don't want to like step on his toes. He's the big, bad executive CEO, like blah, 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 blah. But if a woman, exactly like you're saying, does has those same exact attributes, those same exact qualities, she's difficult, she's a shrew, you know, all of those things. She's selfish, she's cold. And yeah. it's, why can't we have the full spectrum of humanity and power and agency that are easily afforded to men? Right. So hopefully, you know, I was, we, I just was doing a book club with a group of women for women who run with the wolves. And I really just, Ooh, love I love that title. <laughs> it's such like a tome of women's wisdom. And mm -hmm. she talks about this a little bit in the book that, you know, it's really difficult to change the culture, you know, 
like what we were just talking about, like this expectation that, you know, women have this one, one goal to kind of just, you know, stay, stay fairly static and wait for the man and what happens in corporate America. And it is hard to change culture, but where she says we can start, which I agree with, we start with ourselves, we have to start changing, you know, we have to start stop looking outside for approval or for validation and just start coming back to ourselves and asking us those are asking ourselves those tough questions like what do i want what do i need like what will make me happy because i think when we start to change then we'll start to change the culture as well absolutely yeah all change starts you know first within ourselves and then within the, the structure or, or the system that created it. So definitely within ourselves. And I also think to your point, um, as women, and which I, I love the group that you're, that you're in and you're, and you're having those, you know, real authentic conversations about it, because also as women, I think another thing we need to do is learn how to truly support each other. Because I know that, you know, it's, we'll have that like say you're at like corporate America or, or your, your job or just anywhere and you'll have a woman who exudes those types of attributes, even as women will be like, well, who does she think she is, you know, or like all of that stuff or like, oh, she's this, she's that. So we have the men doing it to us and then we have it doing it and then we do it to ourselves. So yes, I totally agree. It starts, you know, from within changing your own point of view, your own awareness, your own self-beliefs about what you can achieve and what you can and cannot be. And then it's also about really creating unity as women, you know, really harnessing, you know, to your, to your book and to what you're talking about, our goddess power, you know, one goddess is powerful, but imagine how all the goddesses come together. Like, I think that's what men are really afraid of. It's like us coming together, how powerful we would be. So, so yeah. Yeah, That's a good point that you say, because yeah, because sometimes we're judging each other. And I think, you know, and I think that is just the patriarchal culture, you know, there always seems like there's maybe a limited set of resources, like a limited number of partners or a limited number of positions or daycare centers. So there's always a sense of competition, I think, with women. And I think we do really need to change that, support each other whenever we can, give each other the benefit of the doubt, you know, not indulge in behaviors like gossip, but really offer support, like create that goddess community, that network. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it goes back to feeling like there's like one seat at the table, like, and like the woman has to be like the one woman in like the boys club. So like the boys get to have a club, we get to have one seat. <laughs> like it doesn't make sense. So that's why we're competing because it's like, it's scarcity mindset, right? It's like, well, there's only one seat for like one executive woman or like one, you know, top woman and I want that seat so I'm not going to support my sister I'm not going to support my other woman you know I'm going to like cater to the men because the men are the one that's going to give me that seat yes yeah yeah instead of switching to like an abundant mentality where it's like hold up (laughs) I don't even want to be at your table we're going to be on our own table and we're all going to dine and have fun and just be amazing beings together And I think we're getting there. I, I really do. You know, I think it's taken time. And I mean, I reflect back to when I was like in high school and stuff, and it was so competitive with other women. It was like terrible, you know, but it's like, I do start, I feel like at least now, and I don't know if it's just because I'm older, but it does seem like, I think women are starting to kind of wake up with like, we need each other. We are Absolutely. struggling together. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think a big reason why it's starting to change, which I think ties in perfectly with um your book is that this like the narrative is changing like the stories we're telling each other 
about each other and about ourselves is changing. You know, like the Disney princesses are changing. Um, social media is, is has been such a platform for that. People are starting to speak up and tell their stories about how they feel. And, you know, books like yours that are telling stories of like empowered women or how to, you know, unleash your own like, you know, power within like whatever bucket you want to be in, but just really own your own story. So I think a big reason why we're having that shift goes back to, you know, storytelling, like us talking, like even this, just like us sitting here and like having this podcast episode, you know, you're telling about your book and your experiences. I'm talking about me and what's coming up for me by listening to you, you know, and then other women listening to this will be inspired to change and to speak up. So I definitely think it's a it's a great time to be alive. I think it's a good time. I think there's a, there's a shift that's already like in motion, which is great. I totally agree. I really feel like women are coming together to raise the conversation and really Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, elevate it, talk a little bit more about what it means to be a woman and, you know, not just talk about like the, you know, sometimes I feel like women traditionally come together, you know, to complain or to do, you know, to kind of grieve. And I think it's good to have that sympathetic air, but also to come together to inspire one another, you know, Mm -hmm. to share successes and celebrate and raise them up. Yeah. And to create solutions, you know, it's, (laughs) it's like, it's like, you know, it's like you have a friend that always complains or you're like, okay, like we got it, but like, what are you doing to change the situation? You know? Are you writing a book? Are you starting a podcast? Are you asking for a raise at work? Are you starting your own business? Are you teaching your daughters the value of their own agency? Like, what are you doing to like, to change it? Like, it's one thing to complain about it. Like, yeah, it may suck that this is a situation. This is the system. But at the end of the day, you know, like the goddesses you talk about, we all have the power to change it. So like, how do you get activated and how do you actually do something to, to change not just your life, but the lives of others. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think we're getting there. I feel it. I feel the energy. Oh yeah, definitely. It's a pretty exciting time. So this might be a little bit of a cheekier question, but just out of curiosity, which one is your favorite goddess and why? <laughs> I really am. Um... I really like Parvati. So she's the Hindu goddess. She's the Hindu goddess of love and devotion. Mm -hmm. And she's also like a yogini. So spirituality and yoga is a big part of her life. But she's also like an embodiment of masculine and feminine energy. So she's really, so her partner is Shiva, who is one of the lords of the Hindu triumvirate. And one of the things that I like about her is because she's in a relationship, but she doesn't need a relationship. Again, like Mm -hmm. what we were saying, she's already whole. So she's a devoted wife and she's a devoted mother but she's also devoted to her own journey and she's both soft and strong. You know, she has her feminine side, but she also has her masculine side. So to me, she feels like the true, you know, this wonderful embodiment of both the feminine qualities, which we don't want to dismiss, but also Mm -hmm. the masculine qualities that make her her own person. I love that. I love that she has, um, she's complete and she has duality, which is great. Yes. I love that. And so for, so for people who are listening who might, feel you know stuck they might not feel like they are tapped into their own you know inner goddess what would be some of the first things that they could do to kind of you know tap into their own divinity and tap and tap into their own power so one of the things, so feminine spirituality, I really feel like just really starts beginning, begins in the body. So I would even just say, start to take really good care of yourself. You know, like sometimes I think we think like, 
we can just go out and do things or drink, like drinking to, you know, having a couple of glasses of wine can be fun, but it's not self-care. Like make sure you feel strong in your physical body first, you know, taking care of yourself, getting enough sleep, listening to what your body needs, eating nourishing food. Because once we start feeling good physically, that's when we can kind of start raising our energy. We can start to feel good emotionally, mentally, and spiritually as well. But it does start with like that physical sense. And then really starting to honor your emotions. So if things aren't feeling good, you know, if you don't feel good or if somebody, you know, is rubbing you the wrong way, stop. Don't, I think we've been taught to kind of push those feelings aside, but start listening to your intuition and really starting to consider like, what do I need to feel better right now? And really taking accountability for how you feel and giving yourself what you need. I love that. I love that. I know when I felt, um, stuck and like really disconnected from myself a couple things I did was I started to um to meditate and it was really awkward at first but now I'm like really into it and I think that really helps to connect back to uh, my own like intuition and like inner guide and and all of that and then also I, I love to do um journaling as well oh definitely those are like yeah goddess practices yeah I mean meditation just to have that quiet time and stillness you know and space so we can hear our inner wisdom and just get a sense of how we are at the end at any moment and yeah and journaling is wonderful as well yeah I, I, I love just doing like a daily download <laughs> of just like everything that's coming just like let it all all come out those are some really good things um is there anything else you want to tell us about the goddess solution or the book or any insights um, yeah, I think, well, the book is just regular. What, one of the things I tried to do, so there, there are a bunch, you know, there's quite a few goddess books out there, but a lot of them are very esoteric. So you read about the goddesses, you kind of understand the myth, but not necessarily how to apply them to modern life or how to connect with them. So that's one of the things that I really tried to do with the book. Like the situations are very practical, like how to get over unrequited love, how to, <laughs> yeah, like, how to co-parent with somebody who you're no longer with, and, you know, how to um, get over comparison and to face your fear of judgment. So just very practical things that we have to deal with, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. And what I really love is that these myths are so old and they're still just so applicable today. So I just wanted to point that out, that it's not esoteric, it's really like a guide. And then there's tips and like journaling prompts about, you know, to help you connect to that goddess. I love that. I love that you give like practical insights on something that sometimes seems um, either like metaphysical or like frou-frou, but you bring yeah. it down and you distill it into actionable things that you can apply to your, to your modern day, everyday life. So I absolutely love that. And then I also wanted to ask you about, I just had it up. Um, so learning about how to befriend yourself in all aspects. Like we, like I love what you said about um, this being holistic wellness when it comes to, you know, the goddess solution, you know, it's mind, body, spirit. So what are some things that you can do to befriend all aspects of yourself, which I believe is more in the realm of like self-compassion? Yeah, it's self-compassion and it's really understanding like 
it's a little bit of the shadow work as well too. So I think, you know, as women, I think we were very agreeable, you know, we've been brought up to be agreeable and people pleasers and we kind of push aside our other emotions, like whether it's anger or jealousy, or, I mean, I think many of us have anxiety because we've pushed these other emotions aside, but it's really befriending all aspects of yourself. So instead of like trying to hide them or pretending it's not there, really honoring your emotions and getting curious about where they're coming from and really kind of understanding what you're failing at any given time. So we're not trying to push things aside, but like, yeah, it's like self-compassion, like fully loving yourself and knowing that some of these difficult emotions, I mean, they, they start when we're very young and they had a purpose to keep us alive and to keep us healthy. You know, they're kind of defense mechanisms, but now that we're older and more mature, we don't need, need these emotions, but we can't push them back. We can, you know, we start to reparent them. To these different parts of ourselves, but it's really kind of acknowledging and honoring all of our, all of ourselves, even the bad, messy parts. Yeah. And it, and it kind of touches back to what we were talking about earlier about being complex beings and being complicated and having, you know, more than just one identity, but like back to like the duality that we're talking about with your favorite goddess, you know, she had, you know, masculine, feminine, but there's also the duality of white and dark. So I think that's, that's great. You know, really learning to love and have compassion towards yourself for the things that isn't just necessarily the light, but also the shadow and having that be okay. And like having experiencing like the full spectrum of the human experience, which are those big, scary emotions too, but also like the big loving emotions, you know, you have to be in tune to all of it to feel any of it. So Exactly. I think people don't, that's such a good point, Kendi. Like, yeah, you have to be in tune with all of it, like you said, to feel any of it. I think we don't always think that. We always just kind of want to focus on the light or the other parts, but it's like, we're a whole person, we're complex, and it's really kind of being able to sit with all of that and be okay with it. Absolutely. I have a funny story about that. So years ago, I totally did not understand what it meant to be authentic. I was, I was just funny of us did years ago. <laughs> so like I, no, but I mean, like, I was like defining it wrong to myself. <laughs> like that's what I like. I, yeah, I completely missed the mark on this one. So I, like, let me tell you. So I thought, oh, I'm authentic. That means I've completely self-actualized and nothing bothers me. I am just living this elevated, authentic life where I'm not bothered by anything. I'm on this different plane and I'm just totally unbothered and everything is easy breezy, sunshine and rainbows, lights and love. And completely wrong. That was like denial. Like, <laughs> and then I realized I was like, no, being an authentic person is actually saying, Hey, that kind of pissed me off for these reasons. And that's okay. Or like, you know what? I actually don't like that. Or you know what? This is a standard I have. This is a boundary. This is who I am. And that's fine. So I didn't realize that like being your authentic self was just saying, Hey, this is who I am. These are the things I like. These are the things I don't like. These are things I will tolerate. These are the things I won't tolerate. And that's who I am. And who I am is enough. I don't need to be fixed. I'm not broken. Sure, I can work on some stuff. But who I am as myself is fully enough. I'm valuable and worthy intrinsically just because I'm here. And I don't have to numb or pretend or deny any part of me in order to still be whole. And when I 
got that, I was like, oh, <laughs> like that's, <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> but we're not taught that. And I think like to your no. point, I think that's what some people think is like, ooh, enlightened, spiritual, nothing bothers me. And it's, you know, I think <laughs> problem with like everything I feel like we're focused so focused on happiness like 10 yeah. happy packs three ways to be happier and like yes we all want to be happy and you know like that's better than being sad but let's be real you know let's yeah. not try to be happy if something really bad just happened let's just stop yeah and, it, and like you don't know what your you don't know what true happiness is until you know what your true sadness is you know, it's again, we we're talking about like that duality. It's like the light and the dark. It's the happy, the sad. It's, it's the joy. It's the sorrow. You're like, you, you need the highs, the, the lows. The highs and the lows. You know, it's like you need all of those things to be complete, whole, and, and fulfilled and to have the whole, you know, full human experiences. And I think um, when I, and when I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. And then it's kind of, again, like, I was like, oh, let's have like Zen moments and like, well, like everything will just be bliss. But then if everything is bliss, then you don't get any lessons. You don't learn, you don't grow, you know, you don't elevate, you don't truly elevate on a conscious level. Like until you go through <laughs> that breakup, that divorce, that heartache, that job loss, that, you know, failure, that whatever it is, whatever those big scary things are that happen in your life, you don't get those big, beautiful lessons. Right. I mean, that's the, something to remember. And it's hard yeah. when you're in the storm of it, but that is, that's how we grow. And that's how we evolve. If there was, if there were no challenges, I, yeah, I'm not sure how we would grow or how we would gain wisdom. Yeah, exactly. Like that is the wisdom. And, it, and it's so funny because it ties right back to what we we're talking about before. It's all, you know, like think about any great story. There is always a conflict. There is always a journey. There is always something lost, but in the end, something greater is always gained. And like, that's what that, like the moral is, like the principle of it. Like that's that kernel of wisdom that you get, you know, like in even like the goddesses you talk about, their lives aren't like la 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 la. There's struggle and conflict and, and loss. But right. And it's overcoming. It's ex- not of ease it's that we can overcome we can adapt we can tap into our wisdom and we can evolve you know yeah and it's that resiliency that you get from it so so yeah I had that big shock I was like oh wait (laughs) 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 that's la la land candy that's not that's actually not the point of all of this I probably had that thought at one point as well too, thinking like like everything would be completely placid, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm just gonna zen out and I'm fine. I'm completely actualized and nothing bothers me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. So this has been such a great conversation, Lisa. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you and to connect with you. And for everyone listening, if you had you know, one insight or one kernel of wisdom that you wanted to share with us, what would it be? You are already whole. Mm. Yes. You don't need to look outside for validation. Just bring it back. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. So that made me think of one thing. I'm, 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 what I'll, I'm going to be respectful of your time, but I'll, I'll say this. Let me know what you think about it, but I love that your last um, wisdom was just like, it's bring it back inside. I forgot who said it, but I heard it a couple of weeks ago and this guy was telling the story about 
how like, you know, like your divinity or like your power, your intuition, your guidance, like everything that you have, like your, the power of, of yourself that, you know, you know, God was like, oh, where, where should I put the divinity for, for men? So they'll, they'll know how powerful he is. No, actually God didn't say that. Somebody else said, okay, I'm totally misremembering the first part. Great story. Keep going. (laughs) I'm completely misremembering the first part, but anyway, (laughs) so I'll jump to the middle and they're like, oh, let's not put let's not put man's like divinity and power on a mountaintop because one day he'll reach the mountaintop oh well let's not put it under the sea because one day he'll go to the depths of the sea oh let's not put it um you know up in the air because one day man will go into the air oh well let's put it in himself because that is the last place he will look so it's kind of like the the moral of the story is exactly what you're saying like sometimes the last place that we look for our power and our authenticity and our agency and our intuition and our guidance and our divinity and our voice and our power and our validation is within ourselves. You know, we, we look to, to men. Everywhere else. We look except everywhere else. Everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So I know, you know I love the story. Thank you for reminding me of it. I hadn't <laughs> heard it in a while, but yeah, I, I love that. Like they'll never find it here. We'll put it in them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, we'll put it in himself because that is the last place he will look. And yeah. unfortunately that usually is true. Usually our, when we hit the rock bottom or we hit a place where we have looked everywhere else and we're finally like, oh, it's been in me all along with one. Like, <laughs> need anything else like (laughs) yeah yeah so that um made me think of that but lisa it has been an absolute pleasure and for everyone listening where can we buy your book where can we pick it up you can find it on amazon the goddess solution yes and i will also have it linked in the show notes for everyone to just click and buy so thank you everyone for listening and until next time be well Thank you so much for joining me and please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And don't forget to share this podcast with a friend. Head over to Instagram and join me at Candy Washington. I can't wait to hear from you.